This is an ABC podcast. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. You know, there's no shortage of horror stories about cosmetic procedures. A lot of people got a lot to say about getting work done. It doesn't stop the thousands of people going under the knife every year, though, or forking out for injections. Maybe you're one of them or one of your mates is. You're wanting to change the way you look. In a bit, we're going to speak with some doctors about what is happening here. Also, the impact of like celebrity culture, influencers, how filters on social media have changed the way people want to see themselves. And we're going to tell you what you should be thinking about if you do want to get something done. That's coming up later on Hack. First, though. Hack. No clue. $24,000. 70000 Over forty grand at the end. On Triple Jack. Yeah, how's your student loan debt going? You know what I'm talking about, hex, help. When you're studying at uni or TAFE, you're generally not thinking too much about it because everyone's always telling you, oh, it's the best debt you can have. There's no interest. Don't worry about it. Now, there's no interest, but there is something called indexation, which is basically adjusting the size of your debt to keep up with cost of living. And as inflation spiked over the past year, we've been talking a lot about that on Hack, it means this indexation could, for some people, see your student loan debt get bigger than it was when you finished studying. And it's led to calls for changes to the student loan system. We're going to have a bit of practical advice for you in a bit from a financial planner. We're also going to speak to another academic who knows a lot about this stuff. But first, Shalila Madora has been speaking to some young Australians about how their student loan debt affects them. Most of the conversations are just to talk about how to get by and not really about having fun and exploring or traveling or dating or doing anything that any young person should be doing. This is Jess Tran. She's 26 from Nam, Melbourne and graduated from a Bachelor of Arts with a pretty substantial debt. The balance came to $28,324. She's been chipping away at it, but it hasn't made much of a difference. The hex debt has increased over that time due to the indexation. Just a quick explainer here. Indexation is the adjustment of your student loan to maintain its value in real terms due to cost of living. And as we know, cost of living has increased heaps this year. And that means your student loan is expected to increase by up to 7% in June. I've had to pick up a second job just to maintain the cost of living. People only start paying back their student loans when they make a certain amount of money. But in 2018, the then government lowered the threshold by nearly 10 grand to roughly $48,000, which means that people on lower incomes get less in their pockets. It's definitely not about the money. I currently work in accounting, and if I stayed in accounting, uh, I would earn significantly more than I would if I, if I, you know, ended up as a midwife, which is what I'm planning on doing. People like 24-year-old Alice Steele. Alice is currently doing a double degree in nursing and midwifery. I am in $25,000 tax at the moment, like roughly. The expected increase in indexation will be huge for Alice. 7% of 25 grand is probably like a semester of uni added onto my debt. Both Alice and Jess feel like the debt hanging over their heads has forced them to change their plans. It's been a dream of mine to move out of home, also travel, um, but that's completely been put on the back burner um, and it's just not a reality. I have a partner and we want to be able to live together. And so like in that first year working, 
I will be trying to put money towards a housing deposit, probably still living at home with my parents at 26. We heard stories about people telling us that they would not have gone to uni if they knew how much debt they would come out with. Green Senator Maureen Faruqi introduced a bill to Parliament to freeze indexation and increase the repayment threshold on student loans. By refusing to support the bill, the Labour has completely ignored the loud and desperate calls from students, from graduates, from young people, from women to act urgently on the student debt crisis. A Senate inquiry has been looking into pausing student debt. And just before we went to air this afternoon, it came back saying, nope, no can do. There is still time before June 1, before the budget. So we will keep pushing. You're probably asking yourself why. Why doesn't the government just pause these loans? Well, Hex Help and vocational education loans are really expensive. They cost the government $75 billion and $1.4 billion, respectively. The Department of Education told that Senate inquiry that freezing indexation and raising the repayment threshold would mean fewer people pay it back. The proposed changes are likely to significantly reduce the amount of debt that gets repaid. In fact, the department estimated that the changes proposed by the Greens would cost a whopping $9 billion over the next five years. An increase in the minimum repayment threshold may significantly increase the proportion of debt that is not expected to be repaid, in turn impacting the long-term financial sustainability of the loan programs. Plus, they say it isn't fair to people who've already paid off their debts. Raising the repayment threshold and ceasing indexation of these loans will likely create inequities in the system, disadvantaging individuals who have already repaid their loans, including indexation. But Senator Faruqi says the money is there. It's just being used for other things. This government has committed $368 billion for war machines and $254 billion to give back in tax cuts to billionaires. I think it's the priorities that are skewed. It's not an issue of affordability. Jess spoke in favour of pausing student debt at that Senate inquiry. For her, knowing her student debt wasn't growing out of control would have a hugely positive impact on the way she lives her life. Having and knowing that I have such a debt and it's an accumulative debt as well, one that will just continue to increase. Moving over my head, it's taken a real toll on my mental health and my motivation. Hack on Triple J. That's Jess Tran ending that report by Shalala Madora. We did ask the Education Minister, Jason Clare, to come on Hack. He wasn't available. But we do have people messaging in with their own experiences. Someone says, I've been out of uni for six or seven years. My hex debt has only gone down about $5,000. Other people talking about, you know, the really big amounts they're paying back, the fact that they don't feel like their parents or, um, you know, partners really appreciate the amount of money that they're paying back, the anxiety it gives them. Let's get into this with an expert. Andrew Norton is a higher education expert. He's from ANU and he's with us now. G'day, Andrew. Thanks for coming on Hack. No worries. We just heard, uh, you know, this Greens idea to abolish indexation, increase the minimum repayment income for student loans. It's not going to happen. A Senate inquiry's recommended that it not happen. Do you think there are other things we should be doing to reform this area to make things maybe fairer and easier for students? Look, I think we're just in an anomalous period with the CPI indexation and it should go down in the next couple of years. 
But I think one thing that's really been highlighted the last year or so since it's been issued, that people have accumulated big debts without really thinking through the practical consequences of that. And I think we need to do a lot more to say, actually, this is going to affect your life for 10 plus years. And you know, do you really need to do, particularly people who've done multiple degrees, they're starting to get some serious debt that's going to take a long time to repay. And maybe that's to do with the education when you're going through uni or, or TAFE or whatever and people not saying, hey, think about these choices that you're making because it might have an impact. Um, you know, there are pretty big headlines about the indexation rate rising in June, Andrew. We don't know what it is for sure, do we? But it will be a lot, right? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be around about 7%, up from 3.9% last year. So people have been used to sort of 2% or less in recent years. So all this has come as a big surprise and a shock. So you were kind of saying before that it's pretty noticeable now just because of the situation that we're seeing in Australia in terms of inflation. And uh, that's been highlighted over the past year, especially. It looks like the government's position is to kind of ride this out, that as inflation's brought under control, this will be less of an issue. Is that what you expect's going to happen? I think they've made a decision to do that because changing the rules now would cost them a large amount of money when they're desperate to reduce the budget deficit and so they decided to write it out. And I think it is basically a good system, even though for the last couple of years and probably next year, it's going to produce some you know, unpopular and difficult results. What is it like in comparison to other countries? Like how do other countries do this? I'm sure there are people that look um, or other nations that look at Australia and go, oh, that's a great system, but there's probably countries that do it a lot better as well. Well, New Zealand has no indexation or interest if you're actually inside New Zealand, only applies if you're outside New Zealand. But the UK has real interest and the US has real interest. So in a normal year, uh, US and UK students are in a much worse position than Australian students. And in the US, if you default, it goes on your credit record and all these other problems as well, which has led to this you know, debt forgiveness campaign in the USA. Interesting. And just quickly, Andrew, what do we think we're going to see come out of this universities accord that's going to be released later this year? Because it's looking at a whole bunch of different issues, right? It's got so much on its agenda, it's very hard to work out. But they, I think they're more likely to look at the rates of repayment than the indexation issue. Right, okay. Um, well, look, we appreciate your uh, insight into this. Higher education expert, Andrew Norton, thanks so much for coming on Hack. Appreciate it. Thank you. And it's time to hear from someone else now. We've got a lot of messages coming through uh, on the text line from people talking about their individual situations. So let's find out what you can do if you've got a student debt loan. Marissa Broom is a financial advisor with wealthadvice.com.au. Hey, Marissa, thanks for coming on Hack. Not a problem, Dave. Lovely to be here. A lot of students and former students battle to understand hex at all. Like a lot of the time they think, oh, I'll worry about that later. Should young people be concerned about their student debt amount? Absolutely, they should be. I know it's really difficult when you're first finishing uni and looking for a new job and thinking about all the other sort of commitments that you might have with your money. And, you know, the cost of living is really tough at the moment. But if you forget about this and don't actually pay attention to it, it'll get out of control and it will still impact you at 40 and at 50 if you're not careful. I mean, 3 million people are actually impacted by the current hex debt scenario. 
Yeah, it's a lot of people. And I mean, we're hearing from some of those now. Someone says, I've been working full-time for the last three years as a graduate over the threshold. This indexation will wipe out all of my repayments. Do I pay HEX down further to avoid or put money into super or savings for my future? What kind of choices do we have to make to stay afloat? That was from Warren in Newey. Do you have any advice there, Marissa, in terms of what people should do? Like, Because there's probably a lot of people thinking, oh, do I just pay off as much as I can before June? Actually, they need to pay it off by the 31st of May and have it in, credited in their account by that day because if it's whatever the balance is in June is where the indexation happens. So you can't even really say, oh, it's the 1st of June today and I need to pay it off. If you happen to be lucky enough to have spare money and you can afford to, to knock that debt off, get rid of it because 7% is an enormous um, indexation and it could even be a bit higher than that. The second thing is that when inflation is running above 5%, it doesn't just go away overnight. It could take three or four or five years to get rid of that, which means that indexation could be high for the next three or four years on those hex debts. So you really do need to knock it off as quickly as you can. And I know that's counterintuitive with other saving and other compounding, but this is compounding in reverse, getting rid of some debt. Does this kind of debt affect you going for other loans, like car loans, home loans, applying for a credit card, that sort of thing? Absolutely, it does, yes. Because I don't think a lot of young people understand that. Like, I didn't realise that. Well, the bank looks at your gross income, the amount that you're being paid as a whole before tax, and then it looks at all the money that gets taken out of that, so your tax obligations and your HEX repayments, and then it then calculates your capacity to repay a loan, whether that be a credit card or a car loan or a home loan, if you're lucky enough to have enough of a deposit for that. And it will impact. I mean, if you've got a fifty dollars or $60,000 debt, and you're having to pay that back at four or five or whatever percent it is a year, then you're actually going to have that uh, lesser capacity to borrow for other purposes. Look, there's so much more, um, you know, we could discuss with this one. It's such a big issue. Text line is firing off. People have got questions. Uh, you can read more about, uh, you know, Marissa's advice. She's been in ABC News stories. Um, you can also uh, find more about her if you Google. Financial advisor Marissa Broom, thanks so much for joining us on Hack. Not a problem, it's been my pleasure. And we've got a lot more messages coming through. Someone says, you know, how are the student repayments going in Norway? Young people of the future, their study should be free for the advancement of our country. Um, you know, another person says we should celebrate that there are serious politicians like Dr. Maureen Faruqi in the upper house. Dr. Faruqi is looking after young people in the country. That's someone who's pretty, um, you know, impressed with what the Greens have put forward here. And, you know, in fact, the Senate inquiry said it's not going to happen what the Greens were proposing. Uh, but there might be some big reforms in terms of higher education that we see later this year. We'll keep you across it. Hi. Today is something so exciting. I'm flying down to Sydney for the day to go to an injective clinic and just get needles in and around my face and I cannot wait to take you guys with me. On Triple Jack. Hey, have you noticed more of your friends getting a bit of work done? Botox, surgeries, cosmetic procedures. Maybe it's you that's getting stuff changed. I want to know, why are you doing this? And how did it make you feel? Was it a slippery slope? Like you started with one thing a couple of years ago and then it escalated a bit. You got something else done. Message in 043975755. Do you face a lot of judgment from your friends? Because as young Australians do get this stuff done, there are warnings to make sure you're not doing it for the wrong reasons. And in a bit, we're going to speak with a psychologist. First, Kimberly Price has been looking into it. 
I only really knew that you could change it when I was about like 15 or 16 with the rise of Kylie Jenner and lip filler. B was 18 when she decided to get a lip flip and she hasn't looked back since. Since I was about seven, I was always like really insecure about the way that my top lip looked. It was like non-existent. B said she was bullied all through school about the way her top lip was shaped. It had a really weird Cupid's bow, which basically everyone, including my sister, called like my little mountains. They just look like two little mountains. After doing some research on YouTube and Instagram, B decided to get a lip flip which is a non-surgical cosmetic procedure where Botox is injected to temporarily relax the muscles around the lips to make them appear fuller. B says at 18, she was a little bit reckless with her research and opted for a cheaper lip filler procedure. It was $270, which I thought was like great at the time, but then it started to migrate and it went wrong. After doing some research and finding a more experienced doctor to do her procedure, B opted for lip filler at around $600, which she gets once a year. I have the confidence to interview for like jobs I never thought I'd get. I believe in myself a lot more. I don't try and hide my smile anymore. I just feel so much happier. Breaking news. After months of skirting reports and rumors about her lips, Kylie Jenner admits that her famous pout is enhanced with fillers. I have temporary lip fillers. It's just an insecurity of mine, and it's what I wanted to do. Black China is ready to go back to her natural look. I'm actually on my way to go get these fillers dissolved from my cheeks and from my jawline because... Enough is enough. In the latest issue of Vogue magazine, supermodel Bella Hadid has come clean about her plastic surgery. Or has she? I think certainly for young people, that's been driven very much by Instagram, TikTok. I think facial filters have also created some kind of preoccupation for people to examine their faces a little more closely. Dr. Jody Sillery has 14 years experience in cosmetic procedures and trains others in the profession. She says understanding why a person wants to get a cosmetic procedure is very important. If someone is coming in with their filtered photo or saying they want to look like a particular celebrity, it can be a little bit of a red flag. Dr. Jody says cosmetic procedures are medical procedures and young people should be searching for professionals with the right credentials rather than being motivated by price. I think it's really, really important from the beginning for you to find the right practitioner, someone that you've researched to ensure that they have the experience and the training behind them and the same aesthetic that you have. It may surprise you to learn that there aren't a whole lot of rules around who can perform cosmetic surgery. Dr Jody says people need to ask the experience of the injector, ensure all equipment is properly looked after and know the risks involved in each procedure. The industry itself isn't super regulated. This space is changing and I think it's great for the cosmetic medicine industry to become more regulated so that it is safer for consumers. Year on year, there are more rules coming into the cosmetic industry, with new regulations targeting advertising coming in July. Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons Honorary Treasurer, Dr Bridget Corrigan, says anecdotally she has seen a rise in young people wanting fillers and anti-wrinkle injections, aka Botox. People are very 
are very aware of their appearance and very aware of how that looks in their social media feeds. And so I think inevitably it starts to influence people. Dr. Bridget says it's important people realise cosmetic procedures are invasive and clients do their homework beforehand. Know who you're seeing, what the credentials are of the person doing that procedure and what their training and expertise is. There are risks associated with them. If the person that you're seeing hasn't been properly trained, then those risks are higher. But the bottom line for B is make sure the procedure you're getting is right for you. Don't let anyone judge you for doing it because people get piercings. And just like piercings, fillers are temporary as well. So let people have their stuff. Hack on Triple J. Kimberly Price reporting there. Got a few messages coming through. Someone says, oh, all these young people who've got enough spare cash to pay for cosmetic surgery. Another person, a high school teacher, says it's now the trend at school. I see students book their Botox and injectables appointments before they even consider getting their hair and makeup done. Okay, someone else says, I get Botox uh, in my jaw muscles, in my face and top of my head, um, you know, to relieve a chronic condition. Another person says, I used to dislike women who had Botox. Uh, You know, over the time I realised I was hypocritical as I've changed my appearance with my tattoos as it built my confidence up. That's someone else's perspective. Look, we've got Dr. Ben Buchanan with us, who's a clinical psychologist and body dysmorphia expert. Dr. Buchanan, thanks for coming on Hack. Pleasure to be here. It seems to be a fair bit of like anecdotal evidence that more and more young people are getting into cosmetic work. Does that stack up with what you're seeing? That's absolutely what we see. Um, the the number of people getting cosmetic procedures, both minor like injectables and major like surgeries, is increasing. Um, and certainly in my practice, I um, exclusively see people with body image concerns and a huge proportion of the people that I see working as a psychologist will have had a cosmetic procedure. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting to hear. I mean, people are probably wondering, you know, what the line is if they choose to do something, you know, um, it can easily descend into body dysmorphia probably, but it can also be, uh, you know, pretty normal and you can, you can be fine just getting a few things done. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think that we've been doing cosmetic procedures for years, decades, probably centuries. I mean, um, getting braces um, and visiting the dentist when we're young is like a typical cosmetic procedure. Um, And that's been totally normalized. And I think what's happening um, year by year, more cosmetic procedures such as Botox or fillers are becoming normalized. But you're right about where we draw that line. And I think that the more um, invasive procedures the more we've really got to be questioning people's motivations and whether it's actually going to be um, have more upside than downside because there are significant downsides, um, not only medical downsides, but also psychological risks. We've got messages coming through. Someone says, I faced a bit of judgment from the older generation in my family, but I was bullied for having small lips through school. I now have so much more confidence and don't hide my smile anymore. It's the best thing I ever did. That was from Emma. Another person says, my story is just like Bella's. Had surgery on my ears at 15 years old because I was bullied for the way they looked. And it's one of the best decisions I've made. Other people messaging in with similar stuff as well. When do you know, Dr. Ben, um, uh, that things are getting maybe not so good? Like what are the things you should be looking out for in yourself, but also with your mates as well? 
Yeah. So I, I really like those stories, you know, Emma saying it's the best thing she's ever done. And and the, there's no doubt that the vast majority of people that do get a cosmetic procedure will experience some psychological benefit from that, as in they'll be happier, they'll be more confident. Um, and those um, benefits tend to um, last. They tend to, you know, it's it's not the case that we have to get uh, a procedure every week to feel good. But there is um, a subsect of people who get cosmetic procedures and it won't cause them happiness. In fact, they'll be more unhappy. And these people have body dysmorphia, or which is an obsessive preoccupation with their appearance. And really, I mean, it's a mental condition where no matter how good they look, they'll still think that they look ugly. And some of the telltale signs of this, if anyone's listening, thinking about getting a procedure, you know, if you think that getting a procedure is going to change your life in a huge way, you know, make you uh, popular, funny, um, or um, really happy, you're probably incorrect. Cosmetic procedures are likely to cause maybe like 5% increase to your happiness. But if you're expecting, if your expectations are that it's going to like double your happiness, then that's a bit of a warning sign. Interesting. Okay. Well, Dr. Ben Buchanan, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. You've always got, uh, you know, all the great insight. Thank you so much for coming on Hack and breaking all that down. That's a pleasure. We've got some more messages coming through. Someone says, hi, Dave. I've been getting a range of work done for over two years now. Gone through different stages with what I want, sometimes more procedures than others, but I've pulled back when I've gotten to a point where I feel I no longer need that procedure. Another person says, started with Botox. I started Botox with a lip flip at 18 and then had my lips done twice since then, but it's so expensive to keep everything topped up. I've let it all fade. And another person, Chris, says, you know, I was really surprised in my local community when all the girls started talking at the dog park that everyone was doing fillers and the like. So, yeah, look, a lot of opinions. Time to move on. Hack. Driving instructors are meant to be people you can trust on Triple J. Learning to drive, stressful. Don't have to tell you that. Maybe you're going through it right now or you've just put that chapter behind you. You don't want to think about it. Often parents can make it a lot worse. They mean well, but, you know, the energy's all off. They get freaked out trying to teach you. And so driving lessons with professionals are pretty important to a lot of people. And obviously most driving instructors are brilliant, do a great job, but not everyone has a good experience. There are cases of people being sexually harassed or assaulted by their driving instructor. We want to find out more about what's going on here. The ABC's Parliament House team is looking into this and reporter Chantelle Alcouri is with us to explain. Hey, Chantelle. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Tell us more about this crowdsource investigation you're doing. Hack listeners are pretty familiar with these. When we say crowdsource, we mean the audience helps us to investigate big issues. What do you want to find out? Well, Dave, ultimately we want to find out just how widespread this issue is. Are governments putting in enough safeguards around driving instructors to prevent this type of harassment and to protect that student? So, you know, a driving instructor, as we say, is someone you're supposed to trust. Um, They're in a position of power and we know 
that is the case for some students. They're able to trust their driver, but for others, it can be a pretty unsafe or uncomfortable experience. And you've got to remember, I've had to, I have to cast my mind back to being a driving student and being inexperienced. I was young and vulnerable. And it's one of those rare scenarios where you're trapped in a car with an adult that you might not really know well. You can't physically leave if something happens. And if something does occur, there aren't any witnesses present either. So we've heard and read anecdotal stories for as long as I can remember personally. And we want to uncover the extent of this problem and look at what needs to be done to make these situations safer for students. There's plenty of crossover between federal and state and territory governments, even local government when it comes to things like regulation and funding. So we want to find out, are there gaps? Is there more that we can be doing to make sure that we're not hearing these stories and that they're not so normalised as well? Yeah, it's really interesting, Chantelle, and I was fascinated when I heard that you guys were looking into this because, as you say, it's something that maybe you do hear anecdotally, but maybe there's not been a whole bunch of research into it. So you're trying to figure out how much this has happened, whether the safeguards in place are enough. Where can people go if they have experienced something or they do have a story to tell you? Well, if you're keen to chat with us, you can get in touch on the ABC's website. That's abc.net.au forward slash driving lessons. And we, of course, want to hear from driving students, current and former, who've been sexually harassed or assaulted by their instructor. But we don't just want to hear from them. We want to hear from parents and friends of someone that this might have happened to, as well as those that work in and around the driving industry. So it might be admin or regulation, even the justice system, or as a caseworker on something like this. And of course, it's important to note that we know so many instructors out there are doing the right thing and they want to eradicate this sort of behaviour. So we want to hear from them. We've already throughout the day heard from some of them who've gone yeah there's something that needs to change Um, and we want to ensure that we're getting a full picture of this situation it's not only targeted at metro areas but regional and rural areas and of course you can be anonymous if you choose. Chantelle Alcouri, reporter in the ABC's Parliament House Bureau. We're really keen to stay on top of this one and you know see what you find out. Thanks for joining us on Hack. Thanks for having me Dave. That was Chantelle there. And remember, we'll have more on this in the months ahead as this Parliament House team, uh, you know, hears your stories. So make sure you do get in touch. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack on Triple J.